And kicking off our number three of the show, let's bring in the man, the myth, the legend, Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review Journal. You can follow him at by Sam Gordon. Sam, how you doing today? Uh, doing well, Demond. You're far too kind. Happy Friday. How you doing? Oh man, I'm doing good, Sam. I mean, we're going to talk about the NBA draft a little bit. We're going to talk about you know a little boxing a little bit. But you know what I'm always curious about with you, Sam. You and your review journal cohort, cohorts, how how good are you guys at trivia? Oh, God. Are you guys, you know, picking up on, on some weaker competition? Or could me, Danny, Jared, and Finhas, could we come and beat you guys on the trivia night and clean up? Well, I think you guys have to come pull up and, <laughs> and, and come find out for yourselves, Demond. I think I, I, we'd love to see you guys. <laughs> we want, we, we're welcoming any and all uh, competition. Uh, at the trivia table Wednesday nights, seven thirty at Tanaya Creek Brewery. So if you guys feel like you're up to the task, you can come and find out yourself. <laughs> we gotta set that up. <laughs> so <laughs> the review journal versus Lotus Broadcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we, I think we can take. What have I said since you first met me? I am a receptacle of useless information. Sam, watch out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We want all the smoke. We'll, we'll be ready to go. All right, Sam. But I do want to ask you. Last night. The NBA G League, I might be mistaken on this, but did the G League Ignite team have the most players drafted from a specific team? Um, yeah, no, absolutely, Damon. And, and you go back the last four years uh, since since the Ignite has become a thing, it's, they've had first-round picks, I mean, every top ten picks every single year. You go back to Jalen Green, Jonathan Kaminga, Dyson Daniels last year, and, of course, Scoot Henderson um, this year. So four, four picks in the last three years. I know that you've seen him up close. Go, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, I know that you've seen him up close and personal. So what can you tell the listening audience out there that maybe hasn't seen Scoot Henderson play, what you've seen from him firsthand? Oh, man, Damon, I, I think he's a franchise player, certainly a franchise point guard all the way around, right? At, at, 19, at 17, so he's 19 now. At 17, he, he made the decision to forego his senior year of high school to sign with G League Ignite, becoming the youngest professional basketball player ever to play in America. So that tells you a little bit about his mentality. There is a it factor, a drive, an unrelenting desire to be great, to be the very best at what he does. Uh, and, and that, what, what you've seen so far, the, the player he is right now at 19, he's one of the most, already one of the most uh, athletic point guards in NBA history, a great combination of, of size, strength, and speed. But it's not just that. It's just Ability to get in the paint and, and manipulate defenders, set up shots for his teammates. He probes around, holds the ball, manipulates the defense, and can find shooters and cutters. I mean, he can finish uh, around and through length. I think we saw that early October, the showcase game against Metropolitan's 92. And Victor Wembanyama, Wembanyama was spectacular with 37 uh, and 5 blocks. But Scoot Henderson had, had 28 and 9 and had a, a, a very crafty finish around Wembenyama, who's going to come into the NBA and be one of the best league's best shot blockers and rim protectors day one. So uh, he gets into the paint. He lives in the paint. He's fantastic in transition, and there's a leadership quality to him. you gotta, you got to remember here, uh, he's, he played on a team full of grown men, right? It's designed to develop NBA prospects. Ignite is, you know, young NBA prospects coming out of high school and whatnot, but it's, it's armed, it's equipped with play, a roster full of veterans, and he commanded the respect of grown men, Pooh Jetter, one of his teammates now, an assistant uh, working with the Portland Trailblazers, was twice his age, and, and, and Scoot Henderson was more or less the captain of that team. So I think it's a coup for the Blazers that he fell to number three. Uh, G League Ignite, clearly one of the best options for, for young players to develop. Of course, Jaden Hardy of Coronado, 
uh, out of G League Ignite, Dacian Nix, who played at Trinity International. So uh, there were local ties long before Ignite was headquartered in Henderson. I think he's going to be a spectacular player, uh, a franchise-caliber player. And Ignite is, is reloading with Matas Buzelis and Ron Holland next year. Both players, uh, uh, both forwards expected to be top five picks as well. So it's a tremendous option, and Scoot Henderson is a fantastic talent, uh, franchise-caliber player on and off the floor. Hey, Sam, as you mentioned, the G League Ignite is – they they had a lot of veterans on their team, and one of those being, as you mentioned, Pooh Jetter, who was Scoot Henderson's teammate. And now with Pooh being in the Trailblazers organization, he's the assistant GM for their G League team. How beneficial do you think that will be for Scoot Henderson going up there and having someone that he's familiar with being in the organization? Oh, I think that's huge. I think that's huge, and and it's you know it's a that relationship. I mean, they played two years together. Definitely a, a big brother, little brother kind of relationship that they have. And even independently of that, I mean, Scoot Henderson. I did a piece on him. I had a chance to spend some time with him in October, and he he was very clear that he was preparing to be a professional basketball player pretty much his entire adolescence, not college. He didn't. It wasn't this vision of dreaming of playing college basketball. The dream was to play in the NBA. So the trajectory he went kind of showcased that he wanted to kind of expedite that process and learn as much as possible. And who better to learn from, I think, than Pooh Jetter, a guy that's played basketball all over the world uh, before returning to G League Ignite, just kind of the ideal uh, veteran to have around Scoot Henderson, you know, 18-, 19-year-old Scoot Henderson. So, yeah, definitely somebody that can help him, I I think, kind of ease that transition uh, as Scoot jumps from the G League Ignite to the NBA. So definitely a strong relationship there, a great kind of mentor-mentee relationship, and that's exactly – the point of G League Ignite is, is so young players, young prospects can be about, around veterans and learn not just what life is like in the NBA on the floor, but also off the floor as well. And nobody really has more experience across you know across the world than, than Pujet or guys been doing it for a really long time. Again, we're talking to Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review Journal, and you can follow him at by Sam Gordon. So Sam, keeping it with the G League Ignite, this was one of those things where they announced, hey, they're going to be playing in Vegas. Well, out in Henderson, the Dollar Loan Center. I was a little bit skeptical of it, but just how has this program grown to the point where it's at today? Yeah, I, I mean, it was the initiative, of course. I think you know, there's just the, with with the way that the prospects were going, right? I think you saw LaMelo Ball go down to New Zealand, the NBL, even Lithuania, uh, the one and done. The, 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 there has been, I think, long – it's been – there, there needed to be a model, DeMond. There needed to be an alternative route for players uh, that wanted to get paid, that wanted to develop a little bit differently because – just based on some of the kind of the factors I mentioned. So G League Ignite, you know, came around a few years ago, of course, coincided with COVID-19. So I don't think the first year, the inaugural year, was everything that it could have been or everything that it was envisioned to be. The players, the prospects had to play uh, in the bubble. And, and, and then last year, or the 21-22 season, training out of Walnut Creek uh, and not really having a home arena, playing some games in Las Vegas, playing some games uh, in California, playing a G League schedule, showcase cup and exhibition slate and whatnot, but really kind of a nomadic existence through his first two years. I think Ignite wanted something that, that was a little bit more permanent, a little bit more sustainable, and being kind of the NBA's you know, burgeoning relationship with Vegas, you go back 15-plus you know, 15, 15 years now uh, with Summer League, you have the, the G League uh, showcase, the annual winter showcase has been in Mandalay Bay uh, for a few years now, even predating Ignite, so... Uh, it just kind of made sense. The relationships had been there, and, and with the emphasis that Ignite wants to put on developing players and the NBA in general, again, having a, an alternative pathway that maybe you can have a little bit more involvement with, 
uh, providing that platform for the players. It, it needed a centralized location. So Dollar Loan Center, I think, is the perfect size arena, you know, 4,000, mm-hmm. 5,000. They didn't necessarily get those kind of crowds um, this past year, but you got to remember, it was, it was, it was a new venture, uh, not super, not, you know, the community ties weren't necessarily that strong. And I think G League Ignite did a really good job of kind of ingratiating themselves that first year, expecting the profile of the program to continue to grow uh, as basketball fans uh, in Las Vegas, you know, get more familiar with what it's all about. And having a guy like Shoot Henderson, I think, go in the top five, uh, go, go third overall to the Portland Trailblazers, the player that I think he's going to become is, is also definitely going to be a, a great showcase, I think, to local fans here in Las Vegas about what uh, Ignite is all about. And, and again, you got a couple top five picks, uh, likely top five pick, picks. Matas Bruzelis, a, like a 6'10 kind of stretch forward that can handle the ball and shoot and do a little bit of everything. And then Ron Holland, um, kind of similar player, 6'8 forward, a lot of hustle, a lot of energy, rebounds the ball, defense with an emerging offensive game. They, they are going to be here in 23-24, along with other interesting prospects, exciting prospects like Dink Pate out of Texas who reclassified up, 6'7 wing, super talented. So it's a legitimate, you know, again, four, four top ten picks the last three years. No college program has had more. Uh, it's a real option for, for, for young players now. Uh, the resources are in place. You know, of course, financially players are getting compensated and you're getting uh, the kind of the best experience in terms of simulating what an NBA lifestyle is going to be like, what it's like to play against grown men. That's obviously the dream of all these young players. So they've done really a tremendous job in kind of finding an anchor, a home in Henderson. And I expect Ignite's profile to continue to grow locally. All right, but speaking of locally, we got to give mention to the Las Vegas native, Julian Strother, who was also selected by the Denver Nuggets, the defending champs in the NBA draft. What can you tell us more about Julian that we may not know? I mean, I know he spent some time in Gonzaga, but how deep are those roots in Vegas? Yeah, I mean, he's born and raised, right? Family's from Vegas, sister played basketball. Uh, at UNLV, so very, very, very strong ties. I mean, Julius Rother, him, him and his family, his team, they had a plan. They executed their plan. He stayed at Liberty High School, even though Bishop Gorman was the powerhouse at that time. He chose to go to Gonzaga, uh, generally a veteran team where, you know, he knew he might not get a ton of minutes right away, but Gonzaga does an incredible job of developing players. That's what they do. They have a long track record of that. You, you see Gonzaga players all over the NBA, many of whom weren't one-and-dones but played two two, three, four years, DeMontis Sabonis, Corey Kispert, now Julian Strother. Um, he considered leaving last year, Monty. Went through the whole NBA draft process, got the feedback, uh, wasn't satisfied necessarily with what he heard, and also you know, knew the areas that he would have to grow to continue to develop to become a first-round pick. And he did just that. I mean, he was a, this is a guy that shot 40% last year on more than five three-point attempts per game, averaged 15 points a game, had a 40-point game in league play in the WCC, and, of course, hit that huge clutch shot to lift Gonzaga over UCLA uh, at home at T-Mobile Arena. So uh, when you take a look at his player profile now, going to the Denver Nuggets at 29, the defending NBA champions, they value guys that know how to play off of Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, and that's exactly what he worked at in Gonzaga, being a more efficient player off the catch, attacking closeouts, cutting when he's off the ball, improving uh, as a rebounder and as a defensive player. So uh, I really think it's, a, it's an excellent landing spot. Uh, for him considering what he likes to do and Denver's I think kind of pension or, or reputation in terms of player development they, this is a uh, a franchise that has a really a homegrown kind of organization with Jokic and, and Jamal Murray uh, going on of course making the trade for Aaron Gordon that they've developed Michael Porter Jr. Christian Braun out of Kansas uh, played a ton uh, as a rookie so there's going to be opportunity for him if you if you make shots you cut and you play hard in Denver, you get rewarded when you play with Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. They Nuggets obviously identified those traits 
and Julian Strother. And not, you know, you can't think of a better landing spot. He's been in winning situations now, played winning basketball, and had to wait his turn, learning all the kind of intangible things that Gonzaga teaches its players. Uh, it's a great fit for him in Denver. And, and again, based on his skill set, I think he's going to have an opportunity to get some minutes as a rookie uh, going into next season. And keeping it still on that local beat, Maxwell Lewis, how much can we expect him to do with the Los Angeles Lakers? Yeah, I think this is a situation right in L.A. where as a second-round pick, given the kind of the veteran roster, they're, they're still in, in a win-now situation. So they're going to have some time, I think, to develop Maxwell Lewis. You take a look at the Lakers, uh, their front office, this staff, I mean, a very strong scouting staff throughout the years, even predating Rob Palenka's involvement with the franchise. Uh, they do a really good job finding guys in the second round, undrafted players. You think uh, Austin Reeves, Alex Caruso, Kyle Kuzma, of course, was a late first-round pick. Uh, this is this is a franchise that this is what they do. They find guys late, they develop them, they give them opportunity uh, in the G League and whatnot. So Maxwell Lewis, a little bit of a late bloomer, right? Las Vegas native, uh, spent some time at Somerset Losey, Somerset Losey High School, a charter school. Uh, played a little bit at Clark, not on the varsity because of the transfer rules, and then ended up going down to AZ Compass uh, in Arizona, kind of blowing up from there and having two really good years at Pepperdine at six seven. Uh, natural score, that, that's the strength of his game right now, but he's got a, a seven-foot wingspan, uh, super bouncy, you know, great shooter off the catch, can shoot a little bit off the bounces too, bounce as well and get to the rim. Of course, and finish, I think, has some work to do to develop on the defensive end of the floor. And still, I think by his own admission, had a chance to talk to him a little bit at March during WCC tournament time, uh, wants to round out his game and continue to get more experience. Again, a little bit of a late bloomer in unconventional path, but he, he's going to an organization in L.A. that – um, has committed to developing younger players. That has, a, I think, a, again, just you know, like the Nuggets, uh, a pinch up for player development, and and we'll have a plan for him in place. So, wouldn't expect him to necessarily be in a position where he has to play a lot of minutes right away as a rookie. But you know, second round picks historically have gotten opportunity there. You think Talon Horton Tucker as recently as three years ago, and the Lakers did pay a premium for that pick. So they obviously have a plan, uh, a vision for Maxwell Lewis, and there's a ton of talent there that I think is untapped that they're going to work on tapping into as he develops uh, with the Los Angeles Lakers. All right, last basketball question I want to ask you before I ask a couple boxing questions. You've seen Big Vic up close and personal in that exhibition game that the Metropolitans played against the G League Ignite. How in awe were you, and how how excited should people be? Because he's going to play a little bit in Summer League. Yeah, I mean, Demond, I think he's every bit the player he's been touted to be. You know, all the hype and whatnot, it, it, it maybe then some. Um, six, you know, seven five. The height speaks for itself. Uh, the shooting, the the the, the ball handling, uh, the feel on the defensive end of the floor. Um, it's it's. It, I mean, it's clear he's a kind of transcendent once in a twenty year player. I think the term generational at times gets overused. By definition, it's once in a generation, right? I think a generation, depending on how you define it, every 10 to 20 years. I mean, this is a, a every 10 to 20 year kind of player. So I think, you know, day one, just with his length, not only as a rim protector, uh, but one thing that jumped out to me was how effective he is disrupting the passing lanes, even when he's not necessarily on the perimeter. He He's a transformative defensive player day one in San Antonio, just completely transforms the structure of your defense. And then offensively, uh, as he adjusts to the NBA, all the skill is there, and I think he's going to be able just just by being by being so big and tall is going to be able to find points right away as he kind of figures out how to pick his spots and and, and how to uh, apply his skill at the NBA level. So of course, there's always the concern with guys that tall, but he, I mean, there was a, we watched him go through a lengthy pregame routine that featured like his activation, the way he activates, I guess, his feet and ankles and you know the whole nine in terms of warming up to play and. and 
you know, he he understands. I, I guess being uh, that, that that showed me anyways an understanding of kind of the, the some of the the issues that big men guys that tall go through, and he's super proactive about kind of working through that right now. So uh, he he's going to protect the rim. He moves like a guard. He can handle. He can shoot. He can finish at the basket. Pick and roll. Pick and pop. Uh, I think day one he's going to come in and help uh, help turn around that culture uh, in San Antonio, an organization, a very proud, you know, successful organization, but one where guys on this particular team haven't experienced a lot of winning. I'm not saying they're going to be a playoff team right away, but I think he's good enough to have them playing really competitive basketball day one, and they have money to spend in free agency to put players around him. So uh, beyond just the, the the talent, there's a real, I think, charisma and showmanship element that he has. Um, too, I think the, the, the ESPN just tweeted about their ratings. A, a PR um, spokesperson from ESPN tweeted about the ratings, the highest-rated NBA draft that they've ever had. So clearly, a lot of intrigue with him, and, and it's not just the play; it's the personality, it's the total package. He's a transformative talent in San Antonio. It's very fortunate to have him. Sam, you kind of alluded to it with Webinyama doing those pregame warmups and everything to uh, get all of his body loose, including his feet and his ankles, as you said. Is there, with him being already 7'4", 7'5", and he's only 19, he's still going to be growing for probably another year or two, maybe even three years. Do you think there's anything to worry about in terms of health? Because in the past, we have seen guys who are this big struggle a lot with their feet and their knees. Yeah, I mean, you can go down the list, right? Yao Ming, uh, Sean Bradley, Kristaps Porzingis, Ralph Sampson. Uh, it's really hard uh, to, to, to be that tall. I, I don't think there's any denying it. Uh, but the, the, what he what's different about Wembenyama that, that those guys didn't have is just the fluidity, the, the movement. I think those all those big men a little bit more lumbering. And there's just a, a, a smoothness to the way he moves. Not to be cliche, but he moves like a guard. So I, I definitely think, yes, anytime you're dealing – with a human being that tall, I think, of course, there's going to be, based like like you said, based on the track record, the history, there's going to be some concern. But he's doing everything in his measures to remain as healthy as possible uh, and has been doing such for, I think, you know, as long as he's kind of understood that this is what it's going to take to maximize his opportunity uh, to play in the NBA. And I would assume that would continue. Also going to be interesting to see how much he fills out physically, right? I don't think he's based on, I mean, so, so much of his game, is based on the fluidity. You're probably not going to want him to bulk up too much, but developing core strength and you know that that kind of thing, pliability, I think is going to be really important and something to watch as he continues to age and mature. But so yeah, to answer your question, um, definitely think there, there's a little bit of concern, but I can assure you he's doing everything that he can in the routine, certainly being a part of that to to mitigate as much injury risk as possible, despite some of the inherent risk that I think comes with being that tall historically. All right, Sam, Friday, July 7th in Las Vegas, that's when NBA Summer League kicks off, and we have the Charlotte Hornets going against San Antonio Spurs. What do you expect to see from Webinyama and from Brandon Miller? Yeah, I mean, I think I think first and foremost, right, they've got to be one of the most, I think, hyped Summer League matchups uh, in NBA history. I, I, you know, Webinyama being that he didn't play college basketball here, uh, just a couple games here uh, in Henderson. Yet the the hype that there is, I think fans are going to want to see him up close in person. This isn't just a you know a run of the mill. You know, not not necessarily not that Brandon Miller's run of the mill, but we've seen six eight forwards mm-hmm. that can score the basketball before. We haven't. What we haven't seen is a seven five player that plays exactly like Victor Wembanyama. So I think 
you know, definitely from a, from a sheer energy standpoint, I expect Thomas and Mack Center to be packed. But really, it's a showcase opportunity to get to see two potential cornerstones of the NBA. I think Brandon Miller at six foot nine, a three level scorer, an excellent three point shooter, 38% on, on threes per game on a high volume, a high diet of attempts, can score from the mid range, can get to the basket, can make plays too. So 18 and eight last year at Alabama, it's certainly understandable. Uh, I advocated for Charlotte to take Scoot Henderson, but it's certainly understandable being that they have LaMelo Ball wanting to pair him with a smooth-scoring wing. So I would expect both teams to run their offenses through their respective stars. Don't know how much we'll see of either guy during Summer League, especially Wembenyama, given that he just wrapped up a long season there over in Europe and just kind of coming out of that. But he, you know, he wants to play. He wants to give, I think, obviously fans locally and NBA fans, basketball fans watching all around the world, uh, an opportunity to, to kind of see what he's going to play like. And then, of course, great matchups, potentially a rematch that Sunday between Victor Wembanyama and Scoot Henderson from those games back back in October. So uh, a great event, uh, as always, and I think a lot of great storylines for basketball fans to tap into uh, when Summer League gets underway here in a couple weeks. Again, we're talking to Sam Gordon. You can follow him at by Sam Gordon. And don't forget that when we finish up with Sam here, we are going to be giving away some tickets to Summer League. But, Sam, before we let you go, I do got to ask you a couple of boxing questions. Teofimo Lopez, is this retirement real? Um, I think in the short term, yes. I, I do think it's real. I, I, him dropping, you know, after after such a surgical performance against Josh Taylor a couple weeks ago, uh, was surprised to see him drop the belt to, to, to vacate the WBO uh, title the way he did. So that that to me is is a little bit more serious uh, than just kind of saying he's retired and then keeping the belt. So uh, that being said, he's still only twenty five. I think we know Tiafimo has been very open. Uh, and honest about some of the, the kind of the personal issues he's been dealing with, uh, both with the custody situation and a divorce with his ex-wife. I think it feels to me that the retirement is, might be a little bit more short-term. But, you know, who knows, right? I, maybe maybe this really is it. And Teofimo Lopez walks away from the sport of boxing at 25. But I, I think after that performance, he's just so good. I mean, he's just when, when he's on point and locked in the way he was, I mean, still one of the most talented pound-for-pound fighters in the sport a lot of big fights ahead of them at 140 and even eventually 147 so hopefully for boxing's sake uh this is something short term and not long term but dropping the belt vacating that wbo 140 pound strap uh, was definitely definitely got my attention definitely eyebrow raising and, and signals that at least in the short term uh he's serious about stepping away from boxing we certainly hope he resolves what he has going on because boxing is better uh when Teofimo lopez is active and, and doing well it was a, a clinical performance and he, i think he's he's just so compelling uh, of a fighter in the ring and outside of the ring that, that there's a lot of big fights to be made and and hopefully um hopefully we haven't seen the last of Teo. how big of a deal is this deal that canelo signed with pbc it signals uh that i mean that he wants to fight the very best of the best that at 100 you know at or around 168 pounds the talent is with pbc you're talking about david benavidez you're talking about jamal charlo likely coming up from 160 pounds to fight Canelo in September at 168 pounds. David Morell Jr., uh, an emerging star at 168 pounds, and maybe even Errol Spence at a catchweight. So these are all mega fights. Uh, these are the fights that Eddie Hearn and Matchroom and, and Top Rank you know, couldn't provide for Canelo Alvarez. This is the best business move from him right now. These are the, big, the biggest fights and certainly I think the most challenging fights as he looks to kind of finalize his legacy. You get the sense that Canelo Alvarez, he's been fighting professionally now for you know, almost 20 years as he pr- approaches uh, age 33. He's been fighting professionally since he was, what, 15 or 16. Been at the world level, the highest level, uh, the, a featured fighter in Las Vegas going back at least 10 years 
since he fought uh, Floyd Mayweather in 2013. But but PBC's roster uh, is loaded with compelling fights, and the one to make demand. I mean, we've I've been calling for it. I think boxing fans have been calling for it. Is that showdown with David Benavidez? This mm-hmm. shows. Uh, that he's serious about taking that fight. I, I think Jamal Ch- Charlo more or less is a quote-unquote tune-up, a challenging tune-up at that, despite the, the two years of acti- uh, inactivity. But it feels like that's building towards a, a mega fight with David Benavidez in May, uh, Cinco de Mayo weekend. It would be a huge event. I, I think that's a fight that could do fifty or 60000 at Allegiant Stadium if, if the stadium, if, if the Raiders would be interested uh, and if PBC would be interested. But it's it's where the best fights for him are the most challenging fights and the most marketable fights. It's a great move, not only for Canelo Alvarez, but also for boxing at large to see him on the big stage in the toughest fights. All right, Sam Gordon, before I let you go, tell everybody what you got going on. Yeah, uh, not done with NBA draft stuff yet, Damon. I'm going to have a little something on Julian Strother here on Sunday uh, in the Las Vegas Review Journal. The the last, uh, again, the most recent uh, Las Vegas native to go in the first round and to look at some of the other first-round picks uh, that have come from Las Vegas and how they fared at the NBA. So a lot of basketball stuff uh, coming up. Can't wait for Summer League uh, next month, and I hope to see you out there. I appreciate you having me on the show, and, and uh, you have a great weekend. Thank you so much. All right, thank you. You as well. And that is Sam Gordon. You can follow him at by Sam Gordon, a member of Vegas Nation and the Las Vegas Review Journal. We spent so much time talking about Summer League there that I think it's time away to give away another Four-pack of tickets to NBA Summer League that's starting on July 7th through July 17th. You can get those tickets if you call in. If you want to be caller number 9, 702-365-9200. You can find your tickets at UNLVTickets.com. And if you want to go to the LVSportsNetwork.com and enter to win to be a part of that Michelob Ultra Lounge, if you want some good seats, if you want to be with some of the primetime players, and the Michelob Ultra Lounge, you can do that, but you got to go to lvsportsnetwork.com, and we'll be giving away those tickets at the start of Summer League July 7th. But if you just want that four-pack, be calling number 9-702-365-9200. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio. It's Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. And welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio. All right, we're out a little bit early today, out at 45 to make room for the LV Aviators. I mean, so much baseball talk, who wouldn't want to listen to Russ Linger? Call the Las Vegas Aviators action. All right, but before we get out of here, let's talk about some of the storylines from the NBA. Because we talked a little bit about, hey, the local ties here in Vegas. Some of the guys, Julian Strother, obviously, G League Ignite. But Jared tipped me off to a story where sometimes you hear a story and you're like, why didn't I think of that first? Jared, what was it? So a guy basically got his found he's this is so confusing. A guy declared for the NBA draft. Never played college ball, didn't play high school ball, but he was considered NBA draft eligible and he filled out all the paperwork in order to be eligible for the NBA draft. We need to find this paperwork and see if DeMond's eligible. <laughs> no, that's the best part. I assume, based on this guy, and I have his tick, his initial TikTok that he sent out, he sent this out in May. And so it's been, we've been waiting. All right, so I'll play the TikTok right now. And I made it into the NBA draft. 
If you don't believe me, that's like the official NBA email down there. That's my email. This is some of the like officially official paperwork I had to fill out that the NBA sent me. I think they're like, who is this kid? Why did he find the loophole into like actually getting into the draft? Because this is not supposed to happen. But yeah, after all these like official emails, I am now Jordan Haber, a member of the 2023 NBA draft class, uh, soon to be undrafted class. So like I fully plan on going to the draft now, <laughs> just just for, just why not? So uh, if you're here, hi NBA, please tag the NBA or any other teams like uh, Miami Heat. It's my team. Uh, yeah, I'd love to go to the draft. This would be a lot of fun. You know, hey, come on, one kid, just let him live out his childhood dreams. It'd be fun. Come on, come on, NBA. Let, let's work together. So basically, what he found out is that in he's a law student from Florida. And he, during the in-between time of going to law school and graduating undergrad, he read the collective bargaining agreement. As we all do. Yeah, you know, as you do in your spare time. And he went, you know, there's actually a loophole here. I'm eligible for the draft as long as I fill out the paperwork within the time period. And he did. And... He put up the TikTok saying, hey, I believe based on the paperwork, I'm draft eligible. And then they release the list of players that are like, oh, this guy's draft eligible. You know, Victor, obviously, like like all, all the actual mm-hmm. people. And yeah. he wasn't on it. And he was like crestfallen. So he releases a TikTok and he goes, yeah, all right. This is the Hail Mary. I'm going to reach out to the public relations for the NBA draft and see what happens. Like maybe I'm maybe they just left me off. No, they literally email him back within 20 minutes ago. Yeah, you're going to appear to every NBA team as player unknown. Like he is literally like on a list <laughs> of people who are eligible to be drafted. But basically the NBA has no like highlights or no measurables because he didn't go to the combine. <laughs> you know, what? I love that so much more about this story that he didn't play even high school organized basketball, so no one can even be like, oh, this dude only averaged like five points in high school. He thinks he deserves the NBA? No, but I would have played into it a little bit more. I would have been, you know, putting out, you know, I'm sure his TikTok account, you know, I think it's he's got a couple million followers or at least got a couple million views on a couple of his TikToks. I would have been putting together the best highlight tape there is. People on would, what, a Fisher-Price hoop? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who cares? At your who, local YMCA. Who cares, man? I'm selling myself to the league. They got to see what they're potentially buying here. I would have just been doing it for the views of like one man's journey to the NBA draft. He he did Crowley. say that he that the last time he played middle school summer camp basketball. <laughs> see? And his nice. dad was the coach. Nice. See, I would have just up. I would have tried to crowdsource my trip to New York. I mean, there were so many players yesterday that, you know, oh, maybe they weren't, you know, the official guys that got the green room invite. But they had their name called and they, you know, they got out of their seat in the stands, hugged the family and still walked down there. I'm sure that there could have been at least one sports, you know, network out there that said, you know what, this would be some good tent. You know what, we're here for the tent. So random kid that just graduated (laughs) from the University of Florida and is going to be attending their law school, you're going to be our draft correspondent. Not only is he your draft correspondent, he is also potential NBA draftee. You need to hire him to your legal team. That's yeah, what man. you need. Actually, to do. yeah. If there's if there's good. a sports agency out there that hasn't already offered this kid an intern, yeah. he read the CBA in his spare time. Yeah. Who do you know <laughs> reads agreements? Like how many times have you guys? 
clicked OK on user agreements. Oh, every time. You know, it's the funny thing. I actually tried to read the CBA to understand how, like, relocation and, like, all that stuff works. It's too much. I'm surprised you did it. Good the, on him. The funniest thing, I believe, I want to say the defector one time did a whole thing where they hired a law firm. Not any of their journalists, not anyone that actually works there, but they hired a law firm to go through, like, different like relocation contracts and they found out that the Cincinnati Bengals are supposed to have uh, if more than half the stadiums in the NFL get holographic replay the city of Cincinnati has to pay for the Bengals holographic replay that's like one of those things that just got slipped in the contract this dude just read the contract that's good business right there. Shout out, to the, shout out to the Bengals. All right, there's something else that I want to touch on with these last few minutes that we have on the show because we are out a little bit early Dana White. God. And he is saying that this is going to be the fight of the year between billionaire Elon Musk and, wait for it, other billionaire Mark Zuckerberg. Jared, play the clip. I was talking to both Elon and uh, Mark last night. Both guys are absolutely dead serious about this. They both want to do it. Mark Zuckerberg hit me up first and said, is he serious? And I said, I don't know. Let me ask him. I asked him, and he said, yeah, I'm dead serious. This would be the biggest fight ever in the history of the world. Um, Bigger than anything that's ever been done. It would break all pay-per-view records. These guys would raise, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars for charity. And, uh, you know, you don't have to be a fight fan to be interested in this fight. Everybody would want to see it. Not just the city. The world, Craig. (laughs) Come on. The biggest fight in the history of the world Come on, guys. Who's really just clamoring? Who's, you know, foaming at the mouth to see Elon Musk versus Mark Zuckerberg? I mean, there, there's I, some I, I interest. Yeah. $100 pay per view, you buying it? Uh, no, but okay. I, I, I will be watching it. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, if you had, <laughs> hey, Danny, you've got to buy the pay per view. No illegal no, streams. I'll talk no, talk somebody you, into buying it and go to their house. But I'm saying, <laughs> yeah, we all get that one <laughs> dumb friend that's just yeah, like. But I'm saying, if the, if there if the fight was big enough, I would buy it for you know the right the right fight. I'm not buying Elon Musk. Why not? You are versus Mark Zuckerberg. This is who do you think? Do you think it's going to be a good fight? Doesn't matter. It's two I am, billionaires. I think Zuckerberg oh. is going to crush him. And when whoa, this fight whoa, happens, whoa. Uh, Elon's got the got the peck implants, the calf implants. Like he is, he's basically fine. RoboCop. That's fine. Zuckerberg is a black belt in jujitsu. So oh, yeah, yeah and you want to beat the guy who you're traded Zuckerberg and actually like hurts Mark Zuckerberg? Yeah, I'm sure that those were real. Like they, yeah, no, I'm sure entered, that training was real. Someone he enters to, competitions and he's yeah. won. He's Are they won just letting competitions. Him win? You know what I want? What do you want? I, I want I want I want Bane versus Elon Musk. Yes. Oh, that, although, Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. <laughs> Tom Hardy. No, no, no. Like that's I want a guy who actually is going to throw some hands and be like these guys go whoa whoa. I thought this was going to be like celebrity boxing. No, no. I want someone to actually hurt these people the way they've hurt the U.S. economy. Strong take there, Jared. Very I mean, I'm I'm right there with you in the sake of. Hey, billionaires fighting each other. I mean, <laughs> um, let's at least just see it to see it. But no, I don't think this was going to be entertaining in the least. You're 100% right because we don't have the factor. We don't have the Paul factor. Like people pay for those boxing matches because they want to see that guy get knocked out. This is the only fight where I want to see both guys take a dive. So DraftKings. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> Let's hear those numbers, baby. DraftKings put out potential odds if this fight actually happens. Mm-hmm. 
Zuckerberg is currently minus 160 favorite, wow. while Musk would be a plus 140 underdog. I mean, he's the younger guy, more experienced, I believe. I mean, so I think that Mark Zuckerberg, he's, he is, he's the favorite here. DraftKings is on it. It's a cyborg versus a guy who has been, like, artificially enhanced. Yeah, I think Mark Zuckerberg, you know, he's cold, he's calculated. You know, they might as well call him the Iceman. And I, I mean, <laughs> Elon Musk, I think he's, just, I can't say that. he's doing it for the clout. So, and I think Zuck's for real. So Bovada, another sports book, mm-hmm. they also put out lines. However, they have it the exact opposite. Wow. They have Musk as a minus 150 favorite and Zuckerberg as a plus 110 underdog. They're on top of it, man. I got to see some training videos from Musk. I mean, because we know that one shirtless pick isn't enough for you to no, know. No, no, I don't know. I, I need more than a shirtless pick. I need to see him getting down and dirty. I need to see him, you know, in in some form of competition. We know Zuckerberg. We know he's got the bona fides. But Musk, I think he's just. I think he's just saying it for the clout. I think if they got that cage set up, he'd be like, "Hey guys, I was just kidding." He's the. It's a prank. It's a prank. It's a prank guy. This would absolutely get me to drive down to Arizona if uh, if DraftKings puts this this up. I just yeah. I can't get over the fact that it's they couldn't have find found Mark Cuban. Like, give me a likable billionaire. You've given, <laughs> you've given me like two of the least likable human beings on earth, and I'm just like, is there such thing as a likable billionaire? I think the closest thing we got is freaking Mark Cuban. He was until all that legal about, streaming. Uh, Did you see that, t- that tweet he put out? Yeah, he's, he's like, the- guys, what do you guys use for illegal streaming? And then, you know, suspiciously some of those sites get taken. I think he's 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 with the feds. Isn't, uh, isn't Shaq a billionaire? Shaq. I don't think oh, Shaq's there. Is yet. he? Oh, um, no way. Shaq owns – Shaq low-key owns a lot. a lot of businesses that are he's – on, He's on the board at Papa John's. Yeah, number yeah. one thing I Whoa. support is Big Chicken. I still haven't tried that place. Ah, uh, man, it's one right around the corner from here. Yep. Yeah, I'm telling you guys, good. big chicken, big show's about to wrap up, big chicken after the show. Let's go, guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm down, everybody. <laughs> Let's go. All right, guys, before we wrap up here today, but wait, there's more. more. We have an extra pair of tickets for the NBA Summer League that we are going to be giving away. So as we close out the show, be caller number nine. Send us off into the weekend, right? 702-365-9200. Be caller number nine. Get your tickets to NBA Summer League. Man, this has been a fun show. I mean, you know, it's like a little zoo crew, you know, afternoon drive radio show here. You know, got a fun cast of characters. How do you think today went? I think it went great. I, I legitimately do. I'm not joking. Yep. I mean, I got both parents' seal of approval, and they don't, you know, normally listen to this station. So I feel pretty good. Jared's parents. Let's go. Sue and Ed. Shout out to y'all. Shout out to him. Yeah. Penhouse you know, I'm going to have to pull that sound, I mean, I right? I think it was cool. It was not bad. This was a very in- – we should have our own show. We oh, should we should. We oh should talk God. to Q. Q, when you come back from vacation, we've got a list of demands. <laughs> and uh, also, shout out to uh, – who Who was I talking to through text messages? Who was that guy? Um, Jim from Yonkers, um, Raider Robin Oakland. No, the one that responded to me. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, yeah Danny derailing oh, us with 30 Pete. seconds. Oh, shout out to Vegas Pete. Shout out to everybody who texted in. Maybe Monday we'll get some callers. This has been Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio. Have a good weekend, everybody.